Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Good morning and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk a little bit about a news item that has popped up on my radar in the last 24 or 48 hours, as a number of people have reached out to me on my Twitter profile and my other social media channels. And that is about a game that has been said to be dead and buried that is being revived for the Nintendo Switch. And this comes from an interview uh, that was given to Kind of Funny Games last week and has really kind of taken on a life of its own. And, and one of those things that has happened since that uh, interview and since that rumor started was that a couple of places have begun to say and suggest what they think the game that has been dead and buried and is being revived actually is. Uh, and so before we dive into those articles, uh, and if you clicked on this video or if you looked at the title, undoubtedly you know what, what game that is, and it's Scalebound, um, I think we should talk a little bit about what it means for a trademark to be abandoned, what it doesn't mean, uh, and how people are interpreting that. Um, so that's really what this video is going to be about. It's going to be talking about how software gets made, how intellectual property rights change hands, who owns what, and what you can rightly take from the notion that a trademark has been abandoned and what you can't. Uh, and I think that uh, a number of people are jumping to conclusions that maybe aren't warranted based on what we know about the scale-bound trademark. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there is no hope for what these rumors are suggesting, and I want to be very even-keeled on that. So without further ado, let's take a look at the article that really started it all here. It's from Nintendo Insider, uh, and it is called, Report, Scalebound Resurrected as a Nintendo Switch Exclusive. Now, for those of you who aren't necessarily familiar, Scalebound uh, was a game that was displayed by Microsoft at many E3s, many trade industry events, and was really one of their counterpoint punches to Sony PlayStation's AAA exclusives and the, the kind of third-party adventures, uh, that uh, third-person adventures that the Sony uh, group was putting together and that has really grown uh, famous on the Sony side of the, the video game spectrum. Those, those of you who play the, the God of Wars and Spider-Mans and Uncharted's and all these kinds of things. Xbox and Microsoft really hasn't had a counterpart to those things. And so a couple years back, they had a AAA initiative. They were going to pay for these exclusives from these really kind of popular and famous developers. And one of those was Platinum Games. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Platinum Games specifically, they've made a lot of really good action-y type games uh, that have good responsiveness, that have good combos, that are fun to play. And they really seem to have nailed down uh, that process. And so when Microsoft said, hey, Platinum Games is making an exclusive for us, it's going to feature dragons, it's going to feature action, we're calling it Scalebound, that was a big deal. Uh, but as this article says, 9th January 2017, Microsoft Studios confirmed that after careful deliberation, it had come to the decision to end production for Scalebound. It was yet another high-profile Xbox One exclusive that, along with Fable Legends, Microsoft had chosen to pull the plug on. The natural reaction was one of widespread disappointment. None more so than creator 
Hideki Kamiya, who at long last had the chance to express the love that he once had for fantasy games in high school. After the early excitement that the project was met with, when it was revealed on stage at E3 2014, Scalebound's abrupt end had left fans with more questions than answers. However, we can be thankful that making Kamiya's dream a reality is far from over. I have confidence, this is Nintendo Insider speaking, I have confidence in my sources to report that it is my understanding that Scalebound has been resurrected as a project to be released as a Nintendo Switch exclusive. Now, the lawyer in me looks at this and breaks it down. This is being very wise in how he's describing or how she's describing. I actually don't know who runs Nintendo Insider. Um, this knowledge, this rumor. I have confidence in my sources to report that it is my understanding. So that's what we would call a lot of qualifiers in the law. So it's not that this person is confident specifically that it's been resurrected. He's confident that it's, it's his understanding. So that's, that's what he believes right now. And it's his confidence in the sources that are telling him this that are informing that understanding. So there's a couple layers of, oh, I guess I was just wrong, that are, are built into this kind of thing. And, and as a lawyer, I say there's no problem with that. But when you read these kinds of articles, when you read any kind of rumor, really, you should take into account specifically the kind of stance that the author takes because it can be indicative of how strongly they believe uh, the accuracy of this comment. So they're reporting it. So that's a certain indication in and of itself. Uh, but in this case, there is that kind of qualification that it's just my understanding, it's based on sources, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, going on with the article, given Microsoft's previous involvement, it remains unclear to me whether development has been completely rebooted from scratch or, at the least, its ambition scaled back, seeing as it's now destined for the nimble but less powerful portable home console. Further to this, I believe that Scalebound is likely to be the game that's thought to be dead that Nintendo's reviving, that Game Informer senior editor Imran Khan had hinted at on Kind of Funny Games last week, although there's the chance that he could have heard about a different project that will be resuscitated. In the original concept for Scalebound, you were to play as Drew, who, while exploring the dangerous world of Draconis, is bonded to the fearsome and noble dragon Thuban, the last of his kind. Thrown together by fate, they must defeat the enemies that threaten their world. As far as I am aware, again the article, the Scalebound trademark was renewed, but soon had to be abandoned thanks to Microsoft being unable to state what they would use it for. This is roughly correct. This is me. Uh, but I think there's some detail that we can dive into here, which we're going to dive into as soon as we're done kind of looking at the whole of this article. Uh, the way trademarks work is you essentially file to register something. You tell the USPTO what that thing is going to be used for in certain trademarks. There's other ways to trademark things. But for purposes of our discussion and, and for product trademarking like this, you say we're going to use it for a video game. Uh, and then after a period of time when it's published and people can uh, complain about the trademark, after that's cleared, the USPTO sends you a notice that says, okay, you're cleared, but you now have to show us where you're using it. Uh, because we don't just trademark things essentially in the abstract. Uh, and so you have six months from when you get that letter from the USPTO to say, all right, we're using it here to send you know, the box uh, and, and otherwise. Uh, or you can ask for an extension. And so Microsoft had been filing every six months uh, or so uh, an extension document that says, hey, we're not using it yet, but we're extending it, we're extending it, we're extending it. And then in December of last year, uh, they determined to not extend it. Uh, and so it's abandoned. It's it's available for use for someone else. Someone else can make a video game called Scalebound. But that's not really the end of the story, and that's kind of what this video uh, is about. So let's go on with the article. Uh, ultimately, that has left the door open for another publisher to step in, and as part of ongoing discussions around the projects that Platinum Games could work on for Nintendo Switch, 
it was something that Nintendo expressed interest in. So I know we said we're going to go through this article, but we have to back off for that sentence a little bit as well. This sentence seems to be implying that the abandonment of the trademark itself would allow another publisher to quote-unquote step in and somehow take over the development that had already happened and simply move it over to the Switch or do something else with it. Uh, And that's really why I decided to make this video, because that is, at bare minimum, ambiguous and unclear as to what can really happen with intellectual property. Trademark is just one of a series of intellectual property rights, of, of a whole bundle of things that go along with what is being made by a developer for a publisher. And contracts can say a whole number of different things about what happens to each different type of intellectual property right, whether it's licensed, whether it's assigned, whether it's a work made for hire, whether there are royalties attached, how it can be transferred, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The point of this video and in discussing this article is really to clarify these kind of fine points here. And that's to say that the fact that a trademark has been abandoned, the fact that a trademark has been denied, is not uh, dispositive. It doesn't determine what happens to the rest of that intellectual property. We're going to talk about uh, a kind of form contract uh, that I have done uh, for software development clients, for companies that are buying software development custom from other development houses, just to kind of talk about some of the language that is most commonly used here. Uh, And that's not the language that is always used. There's a wide variety of types of ways to discuss where the intellectual property that comes out of a project, uh, where it goes to, whether it goes to the developer, whether it goes to the publisher, whether it's jointly held by both of them. There are a number of different ways that you can describe what's going to happen. Um, But in no case does the fact that a trademark is declined, that a trademark is abandoned, that doesn't change the contractual rights. That doesn't change the ownership rights as between developer and publisher. So if we're going to say, Scalebound is coming to Nintendo Switch, we have to dive deeper than this article does and that people on the internet are talking about right now and really talk about who owns the intellectual property, how it might get moved over, why it might get moved over, why someone might not move it over. And I want to talk about those issues a little bit with you. Uh, But again, we're going to get just to the bottom of this article and then we're going to talk about some of those more legal uh, items because I have been asked about them uh, pretty extensively. Uh, Without a doubt, Nintendo and Platinum Games have continued to build a close relationship with one another. On Wii U, the developers supported the ill-fated console with The Wonderful 101, Star Fox Zero, and Bayonetta 2, a sequel that the developer had expressed would not have existed without Nintendo's support. That camaraderie has since continued on Nintendo Switch that, along with Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 ports, has resulted in Platinum Games once again being given the chance to work on Bayonetta 3 and Astral Chain as exclusives for the console. With Hideki Kamiya supervising Astral Chain and his role on Bayonetta 3 unclear, it would appear that keen to right the development struggles that the original project had suffered, his main focus has been on grounding Scalebound for its return. And like many, we look forward to seeing it in action. Now, there's some speculation there in and of itself, right? I mean, what is he doing? We can't know that. We can't know the number of projects that Platinum is really doing. We can kind of guess at these things. It certainly sounds like Nintendo Insider believes they have sources that are good on these things, and that's that's all well and good. But it's certainly, when we get to this last paragraph and we say, hey, we think he's grounding uh, this uh, Scalebound revival, that may or may not be accurate. Uh, But that's the article. That's the source of these stories that have come out. Uh, I don't know whether this article is dated. It is. It's dated yesterday. So it came out on uh, on Monday. And uh, a number of people started asking me about it. A number of people started talking to me about trademarks, what it means. 
And so we're going to take a look real quickly at what the scale-bound trademark screen looks like at the USPTO office. And we see here scale-bound trademark details. There's a bunch of stuff here. I've highlighted one item so that we can talk about it a little bit more. But there's a lot of legal uh, items. I, I will be frank with you. I don't. Uh, I don't personally file trademarks. I don't file patents. I don't work with the USPTO. It's a. It's a very unique uh, kind of uh, legal practice area. Uh, and it's one where I always recommend to my clients that are going to work with a third party like the USPTO that has their ways of doing things, that has kind of specialty things that you can know after working with them for a decade or more. Uh, they like specific cover letters. They like specific language um, that I, I recommend working with a boutique firm that specializes uh, in uh, filings with the USPTO. And I, and I often do that. But in any line of work like I'm in, where you are a generalist, where you are, where you are working with corporate clients, where you are working with folks that have these interests, even before sending them over to someone that does this every day, uh, you have to know what you're looking at. You have to know what uh, what it is that might concern your client, and certainly how we're going to protect our intellectual property is one of those things. Uh, so we see here we've got a scale-bound mark, and we've got a status. It's called 606. It says abandoned, no statement of use filed, and we saw that in the article that we just read. And we talked about it a little bit at that point in time. Um, but if we look at the USPTO's definition of talking about abandoned for failure to file a statement of use, we see here that they say abandoned means that the application is no longer pending and thus cannot mature into registration. So registration is a long process. You file it with them. They talk about what they might have issues with. You get it corrected. Uh, it goes through that opposition publication period. And then they say, okay, we're ready to go. And in this particular case, uh, that ready to go is uh, they send you what is called a notice of allowance. Uh, and it says, in response to the notice of allowance, a statement of use or request for extension of time to file a statement of use must be received in the USPTO within six months from the issue date of the NOA. That's notice of allowance. If the office does not receive a proper SOU, statement of use, or extension request within this period, the application will be declared abandoned. The office will then mail a notice of abandonment to the uh, to the applicant or the applicant's representative. Uh, if the applicant's delay in submitting the SOU or an extension request was unintentional, the applicant may su may submit a petition to revive. Uh, we're not going to go over petitions to revive very much because that's really designed to be unintentional. Oh, your your lawyer or your business guy forgot that the six month period was coming up, and they get the notice that it's been abandoned. And they say, "Oh my gosh." I have to file something with the USPTO, and you get a very short window to, to fix that up. I think it's two weeks. Uh, and that's passed here uh, because we can see going back to the scale bound trademark that if we scroll down here, we get all this information about what's been filed, what's been done, where Microsoft is at. And then we get to the very bottom. We see that um, it was approved for publication. In January 2016, it was published for opposition. People can complain about it. In March of 2016, uh, and then the uh, the notice was given to them that they have to give the, the USPTO a statement of use in May of 2016. We see it right here. SOU required from applicant. And then we see these extensions go through 2016, through 2017. Uh, and then we have abandonment in... Uh, 2017. Okay, so this wasn't actually last year. So this was actually abandoned a while ago. Um, and so the fact that it was abandoned, uh, the fact that people are discussing it as abandoned really is even more uh, interesting to me now that I realize that the, the end date here is December 2017 and not December 2018. 
Um, so this has been abandoned for a while. And all that really means uh, is that someone else can make a game called Scalebound in the goods and services of in entertainment services, namely providing an online computer game and game software. So they can make a game and they can call it Scalebound. But can they make a game and can they call it Scalebound that uses just the Scalebound imagery, the Scalebound character development traits, the Scalebound plot line, uh, video game components that were in that game that was shown off at E3. Uh, and I think that that's where you really kind of stumble into the problem. So what you've got here now is you've got Scalebound is a word that can probably be registered by someone that can make a video game. Uh, it can probably be registered by Platinum. It can probably be registered by Nintendo. That's I, I say probably there as a lawyer because you never know what the USPTO is going to do. They could decide that that's a generic term at this point in time when you try to re-register it. I doubt that. Uh, but you never really make those guarantees when you're dealing with a third-party registrar. Uh, and it's very likely that you could make a game called Scalebound. Somebody could sneak in right now, make a game called Scalebound, and make it a match three that they sell in kind of Candy Crush format on mobile devices. Uh, but uh, outside of that... What does it mean for what we saw at those E3s? And I think that's where people are going to be, um, if not disappointed, they're, they're going to have to get used to the fact that this may not be the scale bound that they think was what they were going to get when Microsoft started showing all this stuff uh, back in the past. Um, so I'm going to put on the, the, the video trailer of Scalebound from a couple years back. We see it's E3 2016 here. Uh, and uh, leave that on while I talk about some of the language that I, I generally put in my contract. So I work with a lot of folks uh, that uh, are companies that are focused on, let's say, making some machinery or, or making a product of some kind. They don't necessarily make software. Uh, but in, in the modern age, you're dealing with uh, needs for software, whether you need an interface for your own product, whether you need an interface uh, for uh, working with a third party's product to integrate into your own, whether you're deciding to make a video game off of your product. I've worked with a number of clients that want to market their, their product or service uh, by having an app out there or by having an augmented reality program out there. It's a lot of cool stuff, uh, but they don't know how to do it. It's not what they do. So what they do is they put together a contract or they ask me to put together a contract that works with people that do make software and says, okay, people that make software, we want to pay you some money uh, and we want to have uh, an application and we want to have a video game. We want to have what have you uh, after it's all said and done. Uh, and then uh, we want to be able to use that out in the marketplace. Uh, and this is just one version of that. And we're going to talk about after I discuss this uh, portion of my contract with you. We are going to talk about the different ways that this can be approached. And if you've followed this channel, if you've watched these virtual legality episodes, you know that there is a way where, which is far more uh, developer friendly, which we discussed in uh, the virtual legality regarding uh, Destiny separating from Activision, from Bungie separating from Activision and taking their Destiny intellectual property with them. And in that contract, the, the Destiny IP was essentially all Bungie's. As soon as Activision was done with them, uh, Bungie kept everything that they had been paid for to develop. Uh, but I will say, uh, while we don't have great insight as to the, a lot of these big publisher contracts, a lot of these big deals, um, this is very often, the ownership of the intellectual property is one of those high points of negotiation, those high leverage areas where everybody is discussing uh, while you're talking about the contract, who's going to own what? It's one of those fundamental issues in the contract. And more often than not, the, the folks that are giving the money, that are paying for development, are going to keep a lot of the intellectual property. So talking about my contract language, 
I've got a section in here, and this is a, a master services agreement, which essentially says, hey, we're going to enter into a lot of statements of work where you're going to make stuff for us, and we're going to be able to do that over a course of period of time so that we can just continue this relationship uh, over that period of time. And what it says is all work product as defined below, so it's capital W, capital P, of developer shall be considered a work made for hire and shall be the exclusive property of company. Company being the entity that is buying this service that doesn't make software but is working with a software developer. Developer shall irrevocably assign to company all right, title, and interest worldwide in and to the work product and all applicable intellectual property rights defined below therein and thereto. So let's talk about what intellectual property rights is defined as here. And just keep uh, keep in mind that this is uh, not necessarily an exhaustive list of the ways that intellectual property rights can be defined. And I've seen definitions of this term go for pages and pages. Uh, but it is designed to kind of capture everything that isn't really tangible that is coming out of a project. Intellectual property rights means any and all of the following and all rights in, arising out of, or associated therewith, inventions, developments, improvements, ideas, concepts, whether patentable or not, as well as any patents and patent applications, copyrights and copyright applications, trade dress, trade marks, trade secrets, know-how, applications, data, software in object code and source code form, and any and all embodiments of any inventions and copyrights, and any similar corresponding or equivalent proprietary rights to any of the foregoing anywhere in the world. Now, that's a bunch of legalese, and I know that. Uh, but when we're defining these things in a contract, you want to be as exhaustive as possible, especially with a very serious kind of concept like who owns the intellectual property rights. And one thing that you might have heard while we were going over that definition is that trademarks is in there. Trademarks is just one item in this big bucket of goods, and that includes inventions, which is you know things that are actually invented to to uh, be better tool sets or things for your software development needs, or if you're in the mechanical field, something that fixes a tool or changes it or otherwise improves uh, the characteristics of existing machinery, uh, and it includes things that are patented or, or patentable, copyrighted uh, or copyrightable or not. Uh, intellectual property isn't just stemming from things that can be registered with the USPTO. It stems from just the fact that it's been made as part of the services provided. And then we, we heard in the ownership definition that it's all work product will be considered made for hire. And work product is defined as any deliverable, which is something that's going to be turned in. That's the, the executable. That's the documentation. Uh, that's the, the PowerPoint slides that are describing what the game is. That once a company like if we imagine this were a Microsoft and Platinum Games contract, if a Microsoft is saying, hey, we're paying you this bundle of money to make this game for us, if they had this contract that we're describing right now, Platinum Games would make some PowerPoints, they would have some meetings, there would be some emails exchanged that would describe the project, there would be all this stuff that goes along with the fact that they're making code at the same time, the assets, uh, and those would belong to Microsoft because Microsoft is paying the money for them. And there are different ways to arrange this relationship, but if Microsoft is paying for the, paying the money for them, in a normal kind of relationship, a normal kind of publisher-developer relationship uh, like this, where they're actually paying for development, uh, very often is the case that the intellectual property is going to live with the publisher, the people that hold the money. And work product is any deliverable, whether or not patentable, trademarkable, or copyrightable, 
to be provided to company as part of the provision of the services hereunder and includes without limitation any and all ideas, artwork, diagrams, specifications, flowcharts, material developed or created by developer, regardless of the medium in which it is created or stored during the performance of the services and all intellectual property rights associated therewith. So again, we've got these two nested definitions and it's designed to say all work product, which we just described, shall be considered work made for hire and shall be the exclusive property of the company. We pay you money to make this thing for us and it is ours. And regardless of whether our trademark dies, whether something happens to it, uh, the fact that it died or that the USPTO rejected it or that we're having issues there doesn't change the fact that everything else that we paid for in the contract is ours. And so when we talk about scale bound, the fact that the trademark was abandoned and now as, it, as we see when we looked at that, uh, that the site that describes the scale bound trademark more closely, it has been abandoned for a long time. Uh, the fact that it was abandoned means very little about what we're looking at on screen right now. These assets, these characters, how this operates, how the code base looks, um, how the game works. Um, and so in the absence of Microsoft either transferring the assets, transferring the intellectual property rights that they currently hold to Nintendo or to Platinum Games at the conclusion of their relationship or now, uh, in the absence of that, Platinum Games could make a game called Scalebound. It could be about dragons. It could be about a guy with headphones on his neck fighting dragons or fighting with dragons. But it couldn't be exactly the same. It couldn't be this. So when you see the article say, we're unsure whether they're starting from scratch or not, if Nintendo and if Platinum Games didn't get the underlying intellectual property rights to Scalebound in their hands as part of either the initial contract with Microsoft, the termination of the contract with Microsoft, or now, based on an exchange of funds or some other rights that could be uh, changed between the parties, then there's no way that Platinum Games can simply continue with what we're seeing on screen right now. They'd have to start over. They'd have to essentially build the thing from scratch because they don't own the intellectual property rights unless they were conveyed by contract. So it's possible that Platinum Games could have negotiated the kind of sweetheart deal that we saw with Bungie and Activision, where Bungie essentially said, hey, you're going to pay for this. Um, we're going to give you a royalty when you sell it. Uh, but other than that, if this ever gets terminated, if uh, we separate, we're going to keep all this intellectual property, even though you paid for it and even though you paid for its development. That's the kind of deal that you get when you've made the Halo games and when you've had massive, massive success. I think Platinum Games is a great company. I've enjoyed a lot of the games they've made. They are not, to my eye, Bungie, and it would surprise me very, very much if they were capable in whatever year they would have been negotiating a contract with Microsoft, 2014, something along those lines, uh, to be able to leverage the success that they had had into a contract that was that kind of sweetheart deal where they own all the intellectual property rights to the game, and if Microsoft ever separates, then well, that's it. They get to keep the intellectual property and can shop it around. Uh, for one, I think from a kind of speculation kind of standpoint, we can look at what the history of this is and say, well, if they did have those intellectual property rights, it's a pretty significant surprise that they weren't able to shop it to someone else at the time that the game was canceled in 2017, because the Scalebound name itself isn't that important. Uh, if you've got the intellectual property rights to the underlying game, you could have named it something else, Bound by Scales, whatever, uh, and... Um, and been able to sell the project to Nintendo, to Sony. Uh, and I think 
the same kind of environment that exists today uh, would have existed back then to say potentially, okay, if we think you've got something here and you've got it with these assets, uh, then we can run with it. Uh, since that didn't happen, I think it's far more likely that if this is going on, and I think the article from Nintendo Insider is important to say that there is a good relationship between Platinum Games and Nintendo, because I think that is evident, and I think that is clear that they have that good relationship, and it is possible that as part of that good relationship, Nintendo could have said, hey, Platinum, we're willing to go you know, fund development of something like this. Uh, we might need to take a heavier hand. We might need to talk about where things went wrong with the Microsoft, uh, the Microsoft approach. And we're willing to fund it, again, because we know that this is your dream and we want to make you happy because you're doing good work for us. But it's not a situation where uh, I think that Platinum Games came to Nintendo and said, hey, we have all these assets. We have all this stuff that Microsoft gave to us. Uh, and so... Uh, could you please uh, could you please uh, fund it from here and we'll make the game. So that's a long way of saying essentially the trademark is interesting. It certainly means that Microsoft has given up on the project. It doesn't mean much of anything with respect to what we're seeing in these videos uh, about uh, what the game might wind up looking like on the Nintendo Switch. It's possible that Microsoft and Nintendo could have come to a deal. It's possible that Platinum Games could have retained the asset rights. Uh, from the original development, but I think that is highly unlikely. Uh, and so I think if you are having Scalebound revived, if you are having the project uh, come to fruition as a Nintendo Switch exclusive, uh, then it's going to be Scalebound in name only, and it's going to look very, very, very different uh, when you finally see the product. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you know, Microsoft has made uh, some good decisions. They've made some bad decisions. Um, there is no guarantee that this game that we are seeing right now would have been good, would have been entertaining on the Microsoft platform. Certainly the fact that they, they pulled out of their budget suggests that it was having problems of its own. And perhaps coming at it years later uh, with Nintendo as the guiding hand, um, and even if it looks different, it might be a better scale bound than we ever would have gotten on the Microsoft service. Unfortunately, we're never going to be able to answer that question. Uh, because we're never going to play Microsoft's Scalebound, um, and we might not ever play Nintendo's Scalebound. Uh, but if we do get the chance at the latter, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it looks very, very, very different from what we're seeing, and not just because of the power of the Switch, um, but because at the end of the day, it would surprise me significantly if Platinum Games has the rights to the assets to that original Scalebound model, and that's simply because of the way these things are written. Uh, if you're a publisher, you're not putting a big bucket of money at a developer if you're not retaining some rights, some interest in the product, unless that developer has some very significant negotiating leverage like we saw in the Bungie Activision deal, like we could see in other third-party relationships. But unfortunately, as we've discussed on this channel before, uh, we don't get to see a lot of these contracts out in the wild. Uh, we don't get to see it. The, the video game industry is very secretive, uh, very close to the chest uh, with the contract terms that they enter into between their publishing houses, between their developers. And unfortunately, so that means we don't get to see a lot of the details. Uh, but that's really what I wanted to talk about today with the uh, Scalebound news. I think it's fascinating. I think one of the things I said to Twitter when people were asking me about it yesterday, um, and I said, well, it's, it doesn't really mean anything. The trademark doesn't really mean anything to whether or not Scalebound's coming out. Uh, I, there were a number of people who said, but you're saying there's a chance. And the one thing I would say, and I would say this a, a lot, and I would say it more on, on my channel uh, if it came up more, is that there's no reason to give up hope. If it gives you hope to think that Scalebound is coming out for Nintendo, the, the same reason we don't have any increased uh, right to think that it's coming out because of the, the trademark being abandoned means that we don't have any reason for decreased belief 
that it's coming out based on the trademark being abandoned. Um, and so you've got a couple of folks here. You've got Nintendo Insider. I think I think I saw in an article you've got VG247 saying that's what they had heard as well, uh, that Scalebound was coming out in Nintendo. It could potentially be a good fit. There are reasons to believe that Platinum Games has that good relationship with Nintendo and that Nintendo might be trying to sweeten the pot for Platinum Games to really make them uh, a, a kind of quasi first or second party studio for them. There are reasons to believe that those relationships exist. So if it gives you hope to think that this game is going to come out, absolutely believe in it. But the one thing I would ask is that if you believe that Scalebound is coming out, and I think that you can, temper your expectations a little bit in terms of what you've already seen in the Microsoft press releases and what we've already seen of Scalebound. Uh, it's very unlikely that the Scalebound that we would receive on Nintendo Switch would look anything like that. Not just because of power, although that exists, but because of this intellectual property concept. It's very likely that Microsoft retained the intellectual property that it had purchased uh, by virtue of funding the development of Scalebound initially. I, it strikes me as enormously unlikely that they would have just gifted it to Nintendo to pursue Scalebound on their own since it looks a little bit negative for Microsoft for another Scalebound to be coming out on a different exclusive system. I, I can't imagine that they would have gone for that from a public relations perspective. And so Scalebound in name may well come out on the Nintendo Switch, but it'll be something different uh, than what we've already seen. And I think that's probably okay. So if you have those expectations, I think absolutely keep that hope alive. Uh, and who knows, maybe Microsoft and Nintendo came to some kind of deal uh, where uh, Nintendo's going to give Microsoft some Xbox Live rights to Nintendo and, uh, and Microsoft gave Nintendo the scale-bound assets. Who knows? Um, but that's why this industry is so exciting. That's why this industry is so interesting. And that's why if you're watching Virtual Legality, I hope that you're getting a little bit more insight as to how intellectual property rights work, how contract rights work how assignments work, how transfers work, and hopefully getting just a little bit more insight as to what you can expect when you see these rumors go around, when we're talking about contracts, when we're talking about relationships between these companies. That's really the goal of this channel. That's really the goal of these episodes. And I hope you're getting that. Um, so uh, without anything further, uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, please do follow me on Twitter. Please like and subscribe to this channel. Please tell your friends. Uh, please put it on Reddit. Please put it anywhere else that you think it would be appropriate because um, you know, I think we're getting some good traction here and, and we're getting some additional subscribers pretty frequently. I think this is good stuff. Uh, and I would certainly appreciate it if you got this far in the video for uh, any and all shares uh, with anybody else that you might think would be interested. So again, thank you so very much for watching and we'll catch you on the next episode of Virtual Legality.